Welcome back to Ground, a podcast from Cathedral Project. Today's episode is actually pretty heavy. Uh, we're going to be talking about grief today. Um, and the guest that I've had on to talk about this is my wife, Natalie. Um, she and I had to walk together through the loss of her mother in July of 2022, so fairly recently. Uh, and we've just had a front row seat to the effects of grief, um, to what it looks like to try to walk through it in health, uh, which is not such an easy thing to do or define a lot of times. But um, anyway, our hope is that this talk is going to be helpful to anybody out there who's suffering from grief. And grief doesn't necessarily only mean the loss of a loved one, though that is a very acute form of grief that follows that. It could also mean any of the models that we have built up in our mind and become attached to very deeply that get pulled apart by life when um, things fall apart and we are living in a reality that looks very different from how we had thought or hoped or dreamed that it would, there is grief that accompanies that. And the loss of a loved one, obviously, is probably the most profound loss of a model because we tend to picture ourselves and our loved ones as like these immortal things. And the truth is life is fragile and everything in the universe comes and goes and changes. And that's just the way of it. And it can be brutal sometimes, the reality of that. So we're going to walk through that together today. Hopefully you pick up some tools that can help you along your grief journey. Or if you know someone who is going through grief, hopefully this gives you some perspective and um, some tools you can use to love those people better. Just a couple of quick announcements. The Christian's Guide to Deconstruction is still available on cathedralproject.com under the resources heading in the top navigation for $4.99, five bucks. And uh, there are going to be some pretty cool guests coming on the podcast very soon. I feel really lucky to be able to interview some of these people, um, but it's people with some reach in the uh, new emerging faith space, the Christian emerging faith space, and I'm really excited to be able to partner with some of them. Hopefully we can begin to shine a light onto more of a universal understanding of what it means to be a human being and what spirituality can mean for us moving forward to shift our paradigm uh, into something new that creates a better world from the beliefs that we form or the beliefs that we leave behind. Uh, and those will directly inform our behaviors and create a reality around us that is more agreeable for a, a better future. So I'm excited about that. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into this uh, interview with Natalie Collier about grief. Again, I hope it is useful and beneficial, helpful for any of you struggling with grief right now or any of you with friends or loved ones going through grief. So let's get into it. Are we on? Yeah, we're on. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, hi. Hi. Welcome back. I love you. I love you too. Welcome back to the podcast. I mean, it took me a long time to travel back here, you know. Back by popular demand. The people have been just. Yeah. That was a vote. Uproar. Like 16 uproar people for you. were like, bring her mm -hmm. back. Mm -hmm. You know. Those are about the numbers I'm dealing with right now on my polls. That's not about real, babe. 16 people at a time. You've done better than that, Jacob. <laughs> William. Let's pretend. Yeah. Hey, good job. No, I'm not calling you William. No, you did it. No. I, I like it. It's my baby, Jake. Great. Oh, so today's just a light topic. No big deal. Mm. Um, we have a lot going on right now, don't we, babe? We do. We have a son in college mm -hmm. who uh, we're trying to help sell a truck at the moment. Yeah. Um, we've got three vehicles just just cars just took breaking a turn down. to hell. Yeah. You know, at the same time, the literal hell. Yeah. Like they Burning. all just decided at the same time that they don't like us. Seems like that's how it goes for some reason. Yeah. I don't know. They're we're not making, sentient. We're getting rid of old energy, Jay. That's right. 
That's what I like. To, that's right. Amen. I like that. I like that better. That is some old crusty ass energy on those cars. <laughs> Lord have mercy. And why do we drive cars? It's weird. We got road systems God, and entire convenient. entire economic systems and like lifestyles that are one hundred percent dependent on us driving cars. Is that what the podcast is about today? Yes, we're going to talk about big oil. <laughs> And about the spill, yeah. You guys might not have heard of yet. I have breaking news for you. No, that's not what we're talking about. We're just we're just small talking. So, ah, you're doing well. You got more clients yeah. with bless her bones, blessherbones.com. Everybody, if you want to find bless a life coach, yeah, who can who can help you find your true self. I'm now serving a few Canadian clients as well. Oh, just yeah. putting it out there. Okay, Crossing about borders. the house. Uh huh. Literally and metaphorically crossing yes. borders. Yeah. That's what you do. And uh, I'm really proud of you. And I'm trying to talk soft because the counselor told me that when I'm slow with my breath, that it's more calm and relaxed. <laughs> so I'm breathy. And I, it made me immediately remember your podcast episode where you opened up like, and for all the wives whose husbands I am. Ooh, ASMR wow. on, on the ground podcast. So what? How are you feeling during this process of all this change? You're now a life coach. You have a college age son, and we have a have big secret that we're not revealing right now. Not yet. Not yet. No. Not yet. No one's coming out of the closet or anything. It's no. just a, a major life thing. We are going cleaning on. out the closets. So we are cleaning out closets. We that are we decluttering. It's a little uh, <laughs> trailer. <laughs> so in the midst, peek. in the midst of all these changes. Have there been any feelings that have kind of caught you off guard? I know I've been caught off guard by plenty. Lots. Lots of little little pieces of grief have surprised me in the process of decluttering and preparing for big change. Mm-hmm. We have our youngest, who is just wonderful. Precious. Going through a bit of a autonomy agency rebellion phase. A little bit of a like... Clap back phase, I guess yes, you could say. Yes, and we, we forget every time. This is our fourth. We forget every time that each child entered this around 11 or 12, where yep. we're like, oh, she's who 11. Are you? Yep, she's and, 11. And here we are. And yeah. she's, um, she is her own person, but she is very similar to her feisty mama. And she's always been so sweet. And she's still sweet, but now Fresh. she's, don't hit your mic like that, by the way. Don't yeah. do that. Ooh. It's bad for the, it's bad for the listeners. <gasps> it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but she, uh, you know, is now like swooping her hair to the side and being like, what? What did you say? You know? And I'm like, baby, you were homeschooled. Sit down. Yeah. So just if you any parents out there listening, we're, we're with you. We we're feel you. We're with you. We're with you. And we've been having crazy dreams. Very crazy dreams. Yeah, that's been going on. There's been a lot of people around us having crazy dreams, too. Mm-hmm. It feels very seminal. Like it's a, an interesting energetic vibration around this time in our life around our friends and family and our beliefs and um i i love it i welcome it but it is it's surreal yeah yeah it's it's weird it's felt like it just descended on us and some friends all at the same time so that kind of leads me to uh the main topic that we're talking about today um and it might not seem like such a direct connecting line but grief Mm. Grief. Grief's been a big theme for us over the last year and a half, coming up on two years this summer. I would say it's the last four years for me. Yeah. Because I was grieving for a long time while she was still here. So anyone who is just joining us or hasn't heard um, from Natalie's last episode, uh, we're talking about the loss of Nat's mother in July of 2023. I've already got cry throat. July of twenty twenty two. Twenty twenty two. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh man, I can't get my years straight. Yeah, you was, never have been able to. I it's never okay. have been able to. It's twenty twenty two because it wouldn't have been July of last year. You're it still been a, year a young thing. Right? Yeah, I don't know what it is with me in time. I think You've I'm been just like that since you're seventeen. I'm years beyond old. time. You know, I'm timeless. <laughs> that's, what, that's the problem. You're that's be, why I can't gauge you're it. Beyond it. Yeah. So you just can't grab it because you're beyond it. Jake used to say something that would piss me off so bad and and in a funny way. Like now I we joke about it. 
but he would just be like, I'd be like, God, I'm stressed, or what are we going to do? And he'd be like, time is an illusion. Yeah, I was and like, I still bro, feel do that not way, but... say that to me. So yeah. now I say it to him when I am feeling like he's being pissy. I'm like, this just is fine. Yeah. Time's an illusion, man. I still feel that way. I just don't. Um... I know you do, and I still don't. Yeah, i just <laughs> been... <laughs> and we still love each other. Been taught that that's not the best thing to say. Not at, my at favorite thing you've ever said. Yeah. So, um, the reason that I was talking about a connecting line between dreams and grief is because right after we first lost Nancy, that's Natalie's mom's name, Nancy. Um, and by the way, before I get to that, um, Nancy suffered from dementia for the last three years of her life. Maybe mm-hmm. a little more, actually, in terms of how the symptoms came on to her um, before they were diagnosed. Um, yeah. And uh, just took a really rapid turn downward. And uh, we lost her as a result of that in July of 2022, there not 2023. Um, but very soon after we lost her, connecting dreams to this, I had a visceral dream about her. Um, where she had like a certain kind of outfit she would always wear. She would always wear like a, um, almost like a sweater trench that mm-hmm. had these big buttons. And we still have it. Yeah. And she would wear like a floral shirt from Talbot's under it. Always. All <laughs> <laughs> Talbot's. She loved Talbot's. And three quarter length sleeves. Yeah. Three quarter length sleeve. <laughs> Gotta keep like it she's going to go play baseball maybe oh, in God. that floral pattern uh, with a little scoop neck and, um, some probably Talbot's jeans mm-hmm. and some little like you know sh- mid height boots and some glasses and her gray hair and a ponytail and I saw her uh, in a dream right before I woke up standing in our doorway to our bedroom and she was uh, she just walked into the bedroom or walked into the doorway and I was yelling for Natalie in my dream and uh, Nancy held up her finger over her mouth like to tell me to hush not to wake Natalie up. And uh then And we, you were a little bit tearful like as you were waking up, like you woke you up. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. And I remember waking up and you being like, what were you dreaming about? Because you were like going mm! mm-hmm. in in your dream like I was making all this noise. And I was like, Yeah, that was me yelling in my dream for you because I saw your mom. Mm. And I just it was like her. Like, I really saw her very, very presently. Um, and there were some, some some talks we were having around that time about how we're grappling with where a person goes after they die and yeah. where are they and what kind of space are they inhabiting. So what kind of thoughts have you had about that now? What, did, is it for anyone out there that's going through grief right now, Maybe they'll they'll feel this with you. What what have been your thoughts through the process? Um, well, first, I just want to speak to the idea that when you lose somebody, like if someone gets a terminal diagnosis or um, something like what my mom had, there was tons of preemptive grief and tiny losses along those years, and we both knew it was not headed somewhere well. And I think I was naive in thinking that if I allow myself the freedom to feel f- and grieve openly throughout her dementia um, that I would feel less grief when she died and I have learned that is not the case yeah I don't even remember what your question was well the question was um, not really a question but more of a just diverting our conversation toward um, oh yeah you know what? Where does a person go, and yeah. how how do you get your mind around? Like, what are the mm. things your mind tries to do to wrestle with the reality of a mm. loss like this? Like, what what are the what are the the depths you've gone to emotionally because of it? Um, well, I think that there it's, it's stages and it's a ride, and I don't feel like it's linear at all. And I feel like at first it's so surreal and so beyond your regular comprehension that you you. You have your these irrational moments. Like I remember her Costco card being such a sorrow for me to think that I wouldn't be on her account anymore. Um, 
And yeah, she, she always bought you an account to nope, help us. She with our always groceries. had her account, and <laughs> yeah. since she wasn't married, she let me be on her account. Yeah, yeah. And it was this way of her taking care of me. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. But uh, I booked in. I will say this: um, when you walk away from tightly laced religion, and then you lose someone, um. I think it hits you in a different visceral way. I think it's all profoundly painful and no pain is greater or less or anything like that. But that there was not a bow on it, that I didn't have a beautiful whitewashed illustration in my mind of my mother playing harp romantically Mm. to her savior and she's sitting by my grandmother and and standing behind the pearly gates because all of that was gone for me. And I do believe there is a heaven and a beyond, but I don't, I don't understand. It is so beyond my mind yeah. that it was very hard um, to, to feel like, but where, where literally the, where is she? And I think even if we would still have been in the evangelical church, I would be like, where the hell is she? Um, yeah. Because but, you, you still have, that strong foundation of belief. Oh yeah. You still have like a like kind of I still of a, love Christ and I yeah. still yeah. you still have a, a a foundation. And so it 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 but but the reality of it just feels so much more concrete mm-hmm. and and well, it and all feels more of a mystery. Empty. Yeah. Yeah, it's you don't you don't have the assurance that you thought you would. Not at all. And um my mom told me um, I had to tell her. You're doing great. Hey, by the way, I just want to say this is a very sensitive topic. And it, Natalie right now is just trying to collect herself. Um, if you're out there and you've been through this, um, we see you and our hearts are with you. And you need to feel so much freedom to process this this gigantic reality of grief in your life, however long it takes and however deep it goes. And the people around you that love you need to give you that space and need to come around you. And we'll touch more on the people around you later. But mm. yeah. yeah. Um, I had to tell my mom, Her one of her dear friends asked me when she was dying. I called her and I was like, Kathy said, does she know? And I was like, I don't think she knows. And she was like, you need to tell her. So we had brought her home to her house out here where we live, and I stayed there with her. And um, I looked at my mom in her eyes, and I was like, do you know what's happening to you? And she said, what? And I was just like, um, I was like, you're dying, Mama. And she said, I'm really afraid. Um, And so I think when I lost her, and that's been really hard to know that she was afraid, and I yeah. selfishly, the little girl in me wishes she would have um, had like a supernatural comfort, and all of that plays into like where where is she now, and and is she now at peace and not afraid? And I, um, against all of my Christian upbringing, I called a beautiful. Um, 13 signs of true astrology woman, young lady in Canada. Yeah, and just in your seeking and you're dealing with the grief yeah. and just trying to get some perspective. You yeah, know? and I yeah. had her, um, I talked with her for an hour about my own astrological signs. And at the end, she said, well, we have a few minutes. Do you have any questions? And I just said, hey, I know this is not at all what this is about, but do you um, feel like you know where my mom is? She knew I lost her, and she got really quiet. This woman knows nothing about me, doesn't follow me on social media, or she didn't at that point, and nothing she said, what I'm about to say, could she have um, contrived from the internet. And she, through very kind of, um, her cadence of her speech was kind of clunky, and she was like, I'm just... I'm getting this sense that your mom's like very nearby. And at first I'm like, of course, of course that's precious to say, but like that feels very universal. 
And then she says, I feel like your mom is, um, she's really into like the flowers and plants on your homestead, but not into the animals. And then yeah. she had my attention because my mom <laughs> did not love the animals, nope. but she really loved the flowers. Yeah. And, and you can't figure that out on Facebook. Nope. You can't derive that and on so social So I was all yeah. ears and she said, and I'm getting this sense that she's like playing, like loving to play alongside your girls. Um, and I see her resting in this and she was like trying to find it in her mind's eye. And she said, this bed of flowers and they're like, like bright purple pink and she was saying it kind of like what am i saying and it took my breath away because we planted um zinnias that i later uh named nana's magic magenta because that was her favorite color yeah and she said she was resting in this bed of flowers and i could not believe it and at the very end she said i'm getting this sense that your mom is going to be very nearby, like very nearby for the next six or seven years. And she kind of said it like a question and it hit me that that is the exact amount of time that my baby girl, like that is when we will have our children grown. Yeah. She'll and, be around 18, be graduating high school, be going moving into college around yeah. that time. Exactly. <clears throat> and yeah. my mom is probably a Enneagram two and that was so on brand for my mother and it was such a treasure to me to hear that mm-hmm. but also i don't know i i i still had so many questions like well, what do you mean well why don't i see her mm-hmm. why why don't i see her um and so i've held that and i've held it close because i've only had i think one dream about her and i'm desperate for that mm-hmm. um but i will i will say that the wild the wild, um, I would even dare say, wondrous gift of grief is it really does, if you allow it. Like, my heart has been entirely transformed. Like, I, I can't even express it. I, it sounds cliche, but even in the depths of the saddest, darkest days where, like, I cried so hard that I felt sick, um, Get, grief is this soul expansive invitation and a new awareness to um, the beautiful fragility of everything. Yeah. And I'm grateful. I'm so grateful for it. Like, I actually am so grateful. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, your relationship with your mom. Um, was really very healed. Yeah, we had fought um, really hard for that for a very long time. Yeah. The last at least 15, 20 years of your relationship was really good, but it wasn't always great. So No. Um what the reason I bring that up is because I think one thing that's really surprised you a lot is finding how her mother role in your life while it wasn't while it wasn't great earlier in your life, mm-hmm. it became really good in yeah. your adulthood. Very traumatic in a lot of my childhood. Yeah. But it became really great in your adulthood and and when you had kids and started out as a young mom and all that, she was just really there for you in such a powerful way. So the loss of the mother figure in your mm. life and how um the place in which we find ourselves living where we live and going through what we're going through right now, there's a little bit of an absence. There's a, a lot of a lot of loneliness loss. that we deal with. And, and so that mother role missing from your life, you've really noticed, I think, how much of a gap, how much of a hole is left and from what, her what being gone. what an untethered feeling it is to have that anchor no longer be on the earth alive. I think the thing that makes grief so difficult is that it's so bare and honest. And the webs of it go so far into places you would not expect. You're like, that's not going to be sad. We've gotten so used to trying to put this veneer on our lives 
of like, hey, I've I'm, everything looks good, right? I'm, I went on a vacation this year with my vacation days from my job with my money that I make and my smiles on my face and all of us are happy and the kids love us and we're all good. And then something like this happens and you are faced with the pummeling reality of having to deal with something negative. I'm glad you just said that because I think that um, – did you have something else you want to say? Okay. I think that – what I also noticed was that it is a choice how you deal with it. And it kind of opened my eyes to realize that so many adults that are older than me and even peers don't really deal with it. They push it down and then it comes out in bodily illness and disease and mental dis-ease and it made me understand more the complexity of a lot of the relationships around me and how, oh, this is like the most life-altering thing. Like to lose someone very close to you, I would I don't know that there is something more life-altering. I really don't because I believe that love is the greatest thing and to lose someone that you love is, it is, there are, I don't feel like there are even words. Hmm. Um, and one of my favorite things I heard about grief was that grief is love left unexpressed. And mm. I can testify to that full well. Um, so if you have a lot of love, there is a lot of grief. Um, and yeah. so people shut their hearts and people say never again. And the saddest tragedy about that is you also shut your heart to the deeper abundance of joy. You also shut your heart to being like shook and so giddy at mm -hmm. just going to a donut shop with your kid on a Saturday morning because you can't believe you're alive together. Mm -hmm. And you shut your heart to feeling like a child, like wonder at everything fresh, like you were five years old again, when you don't allow the pain to also wash through you. So... In that way, I feel like pain is this purifying gift if you allow it to ruminate and run its course with yeah. like honesty and vulnerability, yeah. that you are made new and you're stronger than you think. Yeah. I think that in that, there's also the reality that a positive charge and a negative charge are just realities. Yeah. In, in energies and poles and magnetization and electricity that happens on the planet. And they're just a force of nature. Calling something negative, we have this uh, sort of emotional response to negativity um, because we're trying to protect ourselves from loss. So yeah. when we feel, when we hear negative, we think bad. Mm -hmm. And when we hear positive, we think good. Mm -hmm. um, and just like Jackson said in the interview uh, when I had him on last week, uh, you're not really supposed to to assign good and bad to the realities of life. That's just in, in Buddhism. That's not what you're supposed to do. And mm. um, you can see hints of that in all the world's religions. Definitely in Christianity, you know. Um, I think that it's the verse that gets used so often when you lose a loved one is all things work together for the Fuck good. It, man. I that can't sucks. Do that. that because the it's heart the worst thing I've ever heard. Yeah, you can feel the spirit in which that's given, and you can often see the desire to shortcut mm -hmm. the reality of the grief because that grief pricks their fear. Yeah, exactly right. Because they have, they're attaching good. Mm. To trying to get trying to shortcut th cut this thing, getting through it quicker would be good. Mm -hmm. And if they entertain the idea that this mother died, what if their mother died? Right. And they don't want to sit with that uncomfort. Right. And you can tell when someone. It's weird. You can say one thing with one tone of voice and have a, one look in your eye, and and it not land right on the person receiving it. But then when someone's really understood the reality. And is really like mystically, spiritually, deeply telling you all things work together for the good. And those people didn't say that, right? Those people said, "Those oh, people." I'm so sorry. <laughs> if they were to say it, you would you would feel yeah. the spirit of it. But those are the ones that typically people that really get grief would tell you, 
would just hold you, hug yeah. you, and sit with you, yeah. and not really say much at all. And that's what's really needed. So I guess that leads us into another section of grief and difficulty, um, which is the crazy kind of shocking realization that when you're going through grief, uh, you will have some people show up for you some, Mm -hmm. um, but we have been stunned at how little, um, people have really tried to broach the topic again of, Natalie's loss. People forget very quickly. Yeah. And I actually haven't taken that personally. It just has made me feel more lonely. I understand. People don't want to dwell on like, oh my God, that's so sad she lost her mom. Like, I understand. I wouldn't want to think about it beforehand. Like, I I get it. Um, It just can be very isolating. I wish that we were in more like an area that was better supportive of like grief groups or something. Like I've been desperate to talk about it. A Mm. sweetheart friend of mine, actually his ex-wife, she lost her mom within the same month as I lost my mom. She's talking about Zach Wheeler, um, the guy you guys probably heard him on the podcast uh, about a few months ago, his wife Mallory is who she's talking about. And she just knows. She just knows. You just know. You just have this depth of a connection with someone and with the world, like with the cumulative world of humans that have lost, that is just this waterfall of compassion where you're just like, oh my God, I know what you're carrying. Like, how is it possible that we carry that and we don't die? Like, how, how do we not yeah. die from it? Because yeah. um, it, doesn't, it doesn't go away. Your heart can expand around it or your heart can contract around it and hold everything tight forever. But it can expand, and if it expands, it's still there. Like the magnitude of the loss is still there, but your love and your heart and your capacity to hold more love has expanded. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and yeah. Oh no, I was just gonna say that. And I had lost my best friend. I lost my gram. I lost my granddaddy. My mm-hmm. dad walked out on us. Mm-hmm. My brother is a whole story that I won't talk about. Um, and my mom. And so it was, ju- and tons of extended family. Uh, it it's been traumatic for yeah. sure. We just had like a uh, almost comedic level of loss happen yeah. in an extremely short period of time within within four years. Yeah, yeah. Um, Natalie's very best friend. She lost her over differing opinions about COVID and the measures being taken by the government. And that um, was when my mom, the first time I took her to the hospital. And that was exactly when your mom first, yeah, was yeah. institutionalized for a minute. for yeah. a, in a 2020. Whole, yeah, a yeah. hallucination that she had, a, a major episode. Yeah. Which was the moment that um, everyone in the family first had to come to grips with the reality of what was happening. Yeah. Yeah. So I've heard um, grief defined by... Um, Ramdas, a teacher I like to bring up a lot on this podcast, as uh, our reaction to our models of how we believe life is supposed to go being altered or being smashed or being changed drastically. And um, I don't want to say that, you know, I don't love that. There's no, there's no like, there's no. The, the Buddhist perspective is very helpful. It's very difficult. It's the most difficult to grapple with in this particular thing we're talking about. When we're talking, grief is, you experience grief when you lose anything that's important to you, but when you lose a loved one, that's where it's the hardest thing to actually grapple with that as a, as a definition because the attachments that Buddhism talks about you know, and clinging to things. We're supposed to cling to the people that we love some, you know, to some extent. That's what love does between us. So, um, you know, losing your mom, the the model of the mother and the model of uh, the the way that life was going and the way that you felt it should go, I think it's at least true in that aspect that the grief comes from that model being gone. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So that definition holds holds true for me for sure. Um, I don't know how helpful it is to sit and <laughs> you know reflect on grief as that definition. But um, what do we do with that? You know, like when we come out the other side and realize, like, man, my model, the thing I was holding on to, is gone. You know, what? Wh- how have you 
coped and dealt with that being gone, that fierce reality, that just bare truth that things are very different for you now. What are you doing? I've, I've heard you talk about mothering yourself. Mm. Um, how Explain to us what that looks like, because I know that that's a big part of what you do with your uh, life coaching that yeah. you're helping women through. Yeah. Um, how does that look for you right now? Um, that's a great question, babe. And I sound sadder than I am, by the way. I'm just a little tired, and this is a heavy topic, guys. But I'm, I swear to God, I'm really fun. Um, <laughs> wow, I'm like, I probably sound real Portland, well, you Oregon. You know what? You can't be happy all the time. sound like Portland, Oregon Sometimes, right now. like we're just saying, like we're just saying, negative doesn't mean bad. Yep. Positive doesn't mean yeah. just good. Yeah. They're just things. You're I'll dealing with a negative with charge, it. yeah. Um, I think first I put myself to bed. Uh, figuratively and literally, like a good mama. I was like, I am tired in my bones. And so we kind of went into slow mode, and I let my garden overgrow, and I blessed it and just said, fuck it. And (laughs) I just started doing the next right thing. And if that was crying for four hours that day, okay. But I at least tried to be having nourishing meals and getting my bare feet in the grass and taking deep breaths and loving my kids and just little micro habits. It's like I felt this really, um, it was weird in the midst of the exhaustion and like fog of the grief. I felt this um, deep mothering protectiveness, like this new nature kind of come out of me of like I'm all I've got um in the mother way like it's me like oh god I've got to I've got to do this um Mm. let me mother myself and there's plenty of like layered complex trauma to it I met with my counselor after like maybe the first six weeks and she was like Natalie I usually tell clients three years three years you're like five weeks out. You should be crying at a butterfly and yeah. and not able to sip your coffee without crying again. Like that's normal. Yeah. Um, so that yeah, was micro habits, and I, because the universe is a comedian, I had stopped drinking alcohol two years previous. <laughs> a poet and a comedian, yeah. like Jackson two, and I were yeah. talking about. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And so, so I was sober as a goddamn baby. Oh, perfect timing. Um, mm. felt it all mm-hmm. and just did like, what do I know? What would I do for my children? So I'm going to look at my children and myself in the same way. And well, I need a cozy blanket and they need a cozy blanket and I need a good book and I need water and sunshine and slowness. And so that's what we did. And over, you know, we hit all the firsts. We're still going to be hitting them. Um, coming up here some firsts but we went through the first holiday season and it was absolutely heartbreaking and um we i i tethered myself to what i knew you know i made the nostalgic recipes and i talked honestly i wrote some things that are so raw i don't know that they'll ever see the light of day Um, I asked questions. I looked at myself in the mirror and tried to search for my mother's face. Mm. Um, I, I, (laughs) this is kind of wild to piece together in this moment, but she had this little, um, restoration hardware fleece, no, not fleece down. Um, it's like a blanket, but it's smaller. And she would just lay it on her lap. She sat. She had it forever, like ten mm-hmm. years at least. It's green on one side and brown on the yes, other. Yes, yep. not my favorite colors. Know that sucker. And and yeah, it's like a blankie. Command. It's like an adult blankie. Yep. And I am obsessed with it now. And I sleep with it almost every night. And I like usually grab it, like I hold it. Um, and I'm sure that's just a little girl in me, like wanting to feel some connection. Yeah. Um. But before long. I started to just see these little precious things of like, oh, I am not dead. And I've never been more grateful for this homemade biscuit. And I've never been more grateful for this conversation with my child. And I've never felt more present in moments I think I hurried past before that. And I was like, oh my God, maybe this is the gift of grief. 
And then from that place, you begin to make new little micro habits, new ways to nourish yourself. And you realize how good that feels to nourish yourself and to heal. Um, Yeah. And I think that's... Yeah. That's that's how we move. That's yeah. how we heal. Heal by feeling. Yeah, that's been a big part of it. Yeah, mothering yourself uh, through the process. We also uh, recently went to a counseling, like a family counseling appointment, and our our family counselor uh, was talking about the importance of allowing the storms of life mm. to hit your children, and uh, you have to. As they grow, allow them to bear up under the weight of those difficulties and come out the other side. Um, the idea of mothering yourself—it's a rebirth, you oh, know. Yeah, it's a rebirth. It's and, a labor, and then a rebirth, and then a new relationship. Yeah, and a rebirth is not fun. It's not. It's it's there's a lot to it. There are parts there are parts of it that are fun, bloody, and there are parts of it that are really not. There are parts of it that are terrifying. It's very vulnerable. Yeah. So becoming your own mother figure uh, during this time, I'm sure, has carried with it a a great deal of shock and pain and and difficulty. But you're doing a great job. Thanks, babe. I know that that can't be easy. Um, And you know, for a lot of you out there. I think there's this meme going around about people par- having to parent themselves. I saw one with Bill Murray walking down the street and it was talking about like the that. upcoming holiday. <laughs> and it was like millennials having to parent their children themselves and their parents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Getting themselves psyched up for yeah. Thanksgiving dinner. And it's like Bill Murray going, I'm good. I'm great. I feel great. Yep. I feel good. Yeah. You know? um, we, uh, we're just, we're all doing the best we can. If you know someone who's going through a moment like this, who's been through grief, hopefully you're getting more of a perspective right now on what that process is like for them. And hopefully this can give you some tools to turn your attention and compassion toward them and just be there for them. Yeah, just say, hey, I'm thinking of you today. Like people say the most classic is like, I don't know what to say. And that's fine. Yeah. Just literally say, I woke up and was thinking about you. I love you. Yeah. Um, can I bring you some soup? Yeah. Can I, can I, here's, or, you know. Or a, here's a good one. Not can I, I'm bringing you some yeah, soup. Insist. When can I put it on your insist porch? Insist on it. If you yeah. don't want to see anybody, when can I put it on your porch? Yeah. Um, I do want to say this because this ties in great, babe. And this is, this is more energy Let's to shoot it. Shoot, synergy. Let's go. Um, that had I been in my old theology, I don't think I would have trusted myself to mother myself. Yeah. I think that the idea that the heart is so wicked that was drilled into my mind and I can't be trusted, that would, like, I I don't know what that would have looked like because I think of people that I know, um, clients that I've had, I've only had one client not continue the whole time and she hit a block when things started to get vulnerable in her and she was done. Um, And she had a rough upbringing and, you know, I respect that. If she didn't want to go there, that's okay. But it was it was a moment for me to realize, like, man, it. I trust myself. So when my mom was taken from me, I trusted I could hold myself and love myself well. But if I had that old narrative of like, but you're wicked, be careful, mm-hmm. watch out your mind, your heart, all these ways— um, I don't know what that would have looked like. I can't imagine being like deeply paranoid on an identity level and then having loss. Yeah. Like where you're like, I don't know what I need because I'm I'm not worth it. I'm not worthy. I don't, I'm a wretched sinner. Yeah. What the hell does a wretched sinner know? And I'm so grateful that while a lot of it was more mysterious and messy and still unanswered for me, that there was a deep... The whole time, I think I had a certainty that I don't know how long this is going to take. It does sometimes feel like a physical heartbreak. I remember telling Jake many nights, it was like, my chest is actually like hurting how Mm -hmm. sad it is. I've Mm -hmm. I've never felt that. But to know the whole time, I just had this piece of like, 
this too belongs. This too belongs. Like, it's it's going to be okay. Yeah. It's like an undercurrent. It's that... Yeah. It's that... Um, a couple images that counselor gave us. One was the storm, allowing the storm to hit your kid. And the other one was, he was talking about like compassion fatigue mm. that counselors get, um, which if you've watched the show Shrinking on Apple TV, if you That's haven't yet, it's our favorite. You need to watch it. But there's a line where Harrison Ford, his character, looks at Jason Siegel's character and goes, oh, compassion fatigue, you know. Uh, it was really good. They really, yeah, I know. I thought it was pretty good. Harrison? Yeah. Here I am. Um I'm not nearly as rich as him. Oh, God, I wish. But anyway, uh, com- so much sex com- here. <laughs> compassion fatigue, dealing with um, empathy at a level where you're having to just pour it out on all these clients as a counselor all day, <laughs> if, you know, for your entire work week. Uh, he said the the advice he got from his mentor was to care less and not not to like not to not care, but to stand over himself, like envision himself as on the balcony above the counseling session, coaching himself through the counseling session. So going through what would be the most helpful motion for that uh, client while not investing so much emotion into it that you're fatigued at the end of the day. So, I don't know that you can do that if it's yourself as much. Well, that's kind of what I'm trying to can? figure out here. That's what I'm trying to work through. What do you see in this with me? Because I, I look at it as if I can stand over myself and watch the storm of life hit me, I can feel what I need to feel. But if I'm sort of doing, there's like a, a Buddhist meditation about puppeteering yourself. If I can look down at myself and watch myself go through the difficulty and encourage myself with like, it's going to be okay. You've got this. You said there's an undercurrent of this two belongs that's been kind of carrying you through the grief that you've been dealing with, that you somehow still had that peace. Mm-hmm. Do you think that maybe that was your higher self in the balcony? Oh, I definitely. Encouraging you through those difficulties? I think it was definitely myself, my true self, my place that God lives self. Um, but I feel like it is at the same time so complex and visceral mm-hmm. that you feel it in your body. So it's it's hard to like detach from your nervous system to look down on it. I think I think that's a very helpful metaphor. And I think sometimes it was like, this is just a moment. This is a moment. My life is a moment. Um, but well, maybe overall, not. I'm sorry. I don't mean to jump in. Maybe not like this incredibly intentional visualization as much as a through the process kind of remembering throughout the process here and there that you are guiding yourself. Oh yes. Leading yourself. I would look in the mirror and, and be bawling and um, say, you are going to be okay. Um, I found myself sometimes in the bathroom, like giving my own self a hug. Yeah. That's really powerful to do that. And saying, you're going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And I would just encourage you, if the idea of looking at yourself in the mirror and saying into your own eyes with loving intention, you're going to be okay, if that is unnerving, with all of the love in my heart, I ask you to be curious about why that is. Mm -hmm. And just sit with that. Try to notice that without judgment, what comes up from that. Yeah. Because I do think that that is a fear point, but I also think that's a invitation to growth and deeper embodiment. Yeah. Um, to sit with what that is. And I think that is another thing. Grief just rips that shit to shreds. Oh, yeah. You're like, I'm I'm a primal moaning creature right now i i what the fuck i'm i'm hugging myself in the bathroom like (laughs) and it feels like the best right thing to do right now yeah so that is a gift that it's like all of the niceties and etiquette that you might feel or the ways that we hide behind our ego in public and like oh my god i'm like so cute and perfect um and no problems and i don't have pain that all that shit's gone and some people hide it better than others. Thank God I have never been able to hide it. I think I would be a lot more unhealthy, and I think I would be a lot further down an autoimmune path. Um, but yeah. Yeah. It's, 
You know, I had a, a thought while you were talking about the ways that we've been conditioned to think of ourselves uh, through our, if it's a Christian upbringing or a more fundamental religious upbringing, you've probably been taught in some way to think of yourself as, you know, to, to take humility to its extreme and to think of yourself as something that you should not take seriously. You know, like, oh, well, like I'm not just... valid. Yeah, today I'm over here on this side and tomorrow I'm over there and, oh, I'm just like tossed around by the winds and who knows what I'm dealing with. I've got a good therapist. Maybe I'll get it figured out one day. Who knows? Um, but I really think that that is an impoverished view yeah. of self yeah. because I think there's a difference between humility and um, like... Almost like a detached self-deprecation. Sure, yeah. Like... like really actually thinking too little of yourself. Right. You know, like if, you don't deserve to be feeling big things and grieving. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason I, I mean, it, it makes me think also of there's a, we're reading this book right now called No Bad Parts. Natalie and I are reading this together, um, which just a little sidebar. Oh, dang. I'm yeah, still working. Baby. But just a little sidebar. Um, dreams, the power of dreams, mm. Natalie and I brought up at the beginning, we each had a dream one night on the same night in which the book was a shared element of our dream. Mm -hmm. And I had not started reading the book yet. And, and I don't really dream reading it. Yeah. Natalie doesn't really dream. So we, that was wild. So th we, there's something to this book at the very beginning of it. It's kind of giving this model for shifting paradigms, which is something else we're going to be talking about on the podcast coming up. But uh, there was a Thomas Merton quote and he said, I, something to the effect of, I'm going to paraphrase because I don't have the book in front of me, but he said um, something to the effect of, I've had the privilege of seeing human beings in their real truth, like in their mm. truest versions of themselves. And I can say that if we all saw each other this way through God's eyes yeah. this way, really the, the only risk there, the only negative to that would be that we would all just be falling down and worshiping each other. Mm. Um, so the, the, I the, believe that. yeah, the, the reality of dealing with a grief like this, again, friends, if you're out there dealing with this, not to hum humble yourself in a way where you don't take yourself seriously, no. but to take yourself seriously enough to give yourself the care that you need to mm -hmm. deal with what you're going through. Um, and you know, you're, you're, you've sustained an injury, Yep. you know? You've sustained an injury, and you need help sometimes getting you need back medicine, up. You need support. You need mm -hmm. rest. You Not need necessarily care. big pharma medicine. No, I mean you medicine, need, sunshine, yeah, medicine, exactly. medicine. You need medicine for your food. soul. Yeah. And if you do need big pharma medicine, there's a time and place sure, for that. Sure, of course there is. For sure. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I was just, I was just <laughs> motioning to my wife. She is just like spinning around like a like a tulip through the seasons with her face just looking over here and the mic is like never pointed directly at her mouth through yeah, the yeah. whole interview. Here it is right here. Um, yeah. I was going to say too that the whole time like in the grief I have felt held by God. I've definitely had angry times with God, but I've felt held by God. I think that there is a fracture in my perception of God as um, my close father and God as my close mother. It's almost like I, I definitely need some IFS therapy uh, here in the next little while because there's something in me that like, it's almost like the sadness feels so immense that I can't connect to it right now. Mm -hmm. um, I have hope that I will, but right now the father and mother, like mother God, um, I know that God is father and I know that God is mother. But that is not the way that I feel held by God right now. I do feel held, but it's uh, more ambiguous than that. Mm. I would like to address people that have um, trauma and broken places, not just physical loss. But I think something that I've learned from grief is that, oh, I've grieved a lot of things in my life. I just didn't know that was the name of it. So if you're out there and your parents are still alive, but your childhood... Um, maybe was full of pain and hurt, know that the invitation for you to heal, there will be grief in it because you will have to acknowledge there was a loss. There was a loss as your little girl or your little boy self. There was a loss of 
moments that you will not have and that you did not get things that you needed that you should have gotten. Mm-hmm. And so I want you, I just want to invite you to not be afraid of that because what is on the other side of you pressing in and looking at your face in the mirror and with love saying, what has happened to me and how can I rebuild? That there is so much goodness and expanse of life meaning on the other side of that pain. I would never say that I'm glad my mom is gone, never on the earth. I wish I had her here so much longer. But had I known when she first got sick where my heart could go, how large it could grow, um, I don't think that I would have feared some of the process of the loss as much as I feared it, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. And, and I would say that um, as someone who has felt so often like uh, the, the reality, like being real about this hard stuff that's going on in life uh, wasn't welcome, in in church mm. meetings, you know, like no, in no, church, no, no. yeah, and, and like small groups or in staff meetings or whatever. I mean, I remember a pastor's wife at one of our past churches saying, Ooh. you know, these 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 girls are saying they're just being real, but no, you're just being negative. That's what you're being, and and it made everybody laugh <laughs> um, because sometimes that's true. Uh, but you sometimes know what? it's true for everybody. Sometimes people are just going through some shit. That makes you uncomfortable because yeah. it reminds and, me of your own shit. And guess what? If you love them, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to extend a hand and allow yourself to feel things that aren't just warm fuzzies for a little while to um, to help that person. And it reminds me of Inside Out, you know, the Pixar movie with all the little emotions that live in this little girl's head. And there's this one emotion that lives in the head called sadness. And they keep putting her off in a corner mm-hmm. and telling her, nah, 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 nah. you just did it. We're, it's, we're, she's, she's eight, you know, like we're just joy right now. That's all it is. There's sadness. What are you talking about? Get out of here. And then uh, there's a moment in the film where um, sadness sits down, I think it's with the main character's imaginary friend Mm -hmm. inside her mind, and sadness sits down and grieves the fact that the little girl isn't really playing with the imaginary friend anymore. Yeah. So beautiful. And there's a core memory that gets formed for this little girl that involves sadness. Yeah. And Joy, the kind of other main character, is like losing her mind because she can't believe that a core memory inside there, like... HQ office of this lady's mind or this little girl's mind has had a sadness core memory form. But there's joy in it. But there's there's what there is is growth in it. Yeah. What there is is reality. But what, joy grows in yeah, it. Yeah, it does. It's, it's both. Joy does not mean happiness. And does not mean the absence of grief and yeah. pain. Joy is a much deeper mm. feeling than than happiness because happiness can tend to be circumstantial. Fickle. And fickle, but joy Joy's rooted. is very rooted. And that's what I think we are managing to find right now yeah. more through this process. Um, and it is possible and it's there if you're out there and you are also dealing with this. It's If you're in the throes of it right now, I just want you to know, like, we have faced this process with real honesty. And yeah. for us to be where we are right now, just a testament to facing the reality and dealing with it uh, in in rootedness in in your higher self and in a spiritual practice, joy is is present and is possible and is on the other side and of that for you. And is robust if you will walk through it with yeah. openness. Yeah. And I do want to say here that while we were very alone in a lot of our extended family, there were precious friends and people in our um, Sunday thing gathering that brought us food in the beginning and, and the ground gathering. Yes, Georgia. Yeah. Yes, and <laughs> like I, I want to make sure that my darling people that I love that did show up for me know that I will never ever be able to repay you. Um, I'm so grateful, and you know we live far from most of those people, and so even and they in, still manage to show up. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, it's also the longevity of like people move on far, far quicker than obviously the person that has loss. And that's normal. 
I understand it. I, I just want people that have not walked through it to be aware that two months later, four months later, when your life is continuing on as it should, just send a text. Just mention to the person like, how are you doing with that? Are you, do, what do you need? And that that means the world. It almost in a way like I remember feeling grief that I felt like people were forgetting my mom. Yeah. Like I couldn't talk about her anymore. Send a text about that about Natalie's mom. Yeah, or say, say a memory like of whoever your, your friend today. is. Yeah, yeah, like tell me a memory or tell your friend a memory of that person that they lost and something they loved and um it's it's such a gift. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Well, thanks well, honey. Thanks yeah. for being here. And and are we going to turn these off and then go watch our show? Shrinking? <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, maybe. Man. Yeah, maybe we should. Yes, and we are going to eat Scandinavian swimmers, or we'd still know Candy February. No Candy February. I'm, Shit! I'm finally losing weight. I don't Shit. care how much grief you're going through, girl. I ain't eating that candy. I, I will tell you, I ate probably, swear to God, 75 bags, the large bags of um, Scandinavian swimmers from Trader Joe's. Yeah. That was my booze, man. Yeah, peace like a river, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Attendeth your way through Scandinavian swimmers. Scandinavian. Scandinavian. Well, that's it for today, folks. That's it. Thanks for coming along for the ride. This was heavy. Pour yourself a cozy drink. It was heavy. There's much happier stuff coming. I've got some um, some other stuff in the plans and and we're doing something we've never done in our life uh coming in the next few months we'll be uh, announcing that soon and we'll take you guys along for that wild adventure yeehaw it doesn't really feel like there's much to say after an interview like that. There's no nice, neat button to put on things. I'm I'm the kind of guy that likes to end on a high note. Maybe it's from all of my <laughs> church worship experiences where there's a hopeful ending, and uh, you know the church has not conditioned us to live in lamentation, even though there's a whole book of the Bible named after it. Uh, we haven't been conditioned to sit in difficulty and to live with the tension of negative realities. We've become conditioned to an addiction to victory, as you could say, or um, just this profound discomfort with dealing with realities that we would deem bad or negative. So we're just going to observe a moment of silence right now for anyone experiencing grief, plain and simple, whether it was a loss of a loved one the loss of a dream, or whatever model it was you had built up in your mind and had kind of begun to grasp onto and had become attached to that's been taken from you, the grief you're experiencing is a real human emotion that needs time to process, and uh, you need to count yourself worthy of receiving the help and the time that it takes to heal that wound. So let's just take a moment right now to be silent. And remember those in grief, and if we are in grief, to just sit with the grief and with the positive intention that's emanating from the people listening to this right now. So let's observe that right now. May you be comforted and may you be reminded of your place in the world that no matter how difficult things get, you still belong here and you are still loved and seen. May you feel that and know that. Um, if you don't feel that right now and don't feel plugged in, I would encourage you to look at starting one of these ground gatherings we've been talking about. Because the, these, these difficulties in isolation 
are much more difficult to deal with than they are in community where we're trusting one another with our emotions and with um, our, our collective spirituality and understanding. So please do your best to try to get involved in a community. Ground gatherings are available to you. There's a free ebook available at cathedralproject.com and the resources tab in the, the top navigation. I would encourage you to get involved with that. Um, if you haven't yet already, please subscribe to this podcast. Tell your friends about it. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cathedral project. And you can also find us on Instagram. Uh, my username is William J. Collier. Uh, and there's also cathedral project at Instagram at deconstruct CP. I hope you guys go in peace and are able to use these tools for a better, more fulfilled and healed life. Until next time. Yeah.